Thank you for joining us here on Steeping Around, sponsored by the Maya Tea Company. I am your host, Manish Shah, and we are talking all things tea. This week, we're going to sound a little different than we have in the past few weeks. Normally, when I record the show, I find a kind of quiet corner of the house when my kids aren't around and uh, do the show from there. But this week, the kids were around an awful lot. So I am recording from my office. And so you may hear sounds like the UPS guy ringing the doorbell, the occasional phone going off, or uh, perhaps the taping of boxes and any of the other assorted sounds that you might hear from an office. Do not be alarmed. We are doing okay, but it might be just a tad louder in terms of background noise this week. Maybe even some fun, though. Who knows who might show up. This week, we are going to tackle the vast, vast subject of green tea. It is a vast subject because green tea is really the original tea. It's 5,000 years old, and as a result of that, it has the deepest history and has been studied more than any of the other teas. And because of the length of time that it's been around, there are so many more varieties of green tea than any of the others. We're going to spend the next few shows talking about green tea in great depth. We'll cover what green tea really actually is, the storied and long history of green tea, the amazing and many health benefits of it. We clearly want you to love green tea, so we're going to talk about how you can grade green tea and figure out what's really uh the best kind of green tea to consume for you, how to make it, eliminate all those mistakes, and uh, really make the best cup of all. So hopefully you will come to love green tea. Last week we spoke about white tea. And in a nutshell, white tea is essentially tea that is picked from specific types of bushes of Camellia sinensis, some very specific cultivars, if you will. They're picked quickly, and they're either dried in the sun or under low heat in some houses or rooms. And white tea has no oxidation. And in that regard, both green and white tea share that one characteristic. Green tea is also not oxidized. When I use the word oxidation, I refer to the sort of browning that occurs. Say like when you cut an apple or or, uh, cut a banana or bump into a banana, the bruising that happens That's called oxidation, and neither white tea nor green tea are oxidized in any way. But that's kind of where the similarities end between white and green tea. Green tea has two major, major differences from white tea that really set it apart as its own category. First of all, white tea comes from several specific cultivars that are uh, really good for making white tea. Green tea, on the other hand, can be made from hundreds, maybe thousands of different varieties of the original Camellia sinensis plant, cultivars that are grown everywhere around China and Korea and India and Taiwan and Japan. So the variations on the number of varieties and varietals that green tea is made out of is really, really vast. The other big difference about green tea is that it is, while not oxidized, it is subjected to some fairly high heat. It's not dried in the sun. It's really pan-fried or baked at high temperatures to remove all of the moisture. So essentially, in its essence, green tea is basically fresh-picked leaves heated shortly after that to remove the moisture, 
and then enjoyed. So it's really tea in its almost pure state. It is heated a little bit, whereas white tea isn't, but it's really a fresh, fresh version of tea and therefore holds more health benefits. Green tea has experienced some of a resurgence here in this country because of the health benefits. Uh, I live in Tucson and here we have a doctor by the name of Andrew Weil who has become nationally recognized for his work in alternative medicine and he was a great proponent of drinking green tea and I noticed that a lot of the resurgence in drinking green tea is a result of the health benefits and to a lot of his work that he has uh, published. But that's not the way it used to be. In fact, green tea was the original tea consumed in this country too. Most of Western countries started by drinking green tea. But somewhere along the lines, we switched to black tea, and that became the prevalent tea of choice. We're going to cover that in the history of black tea later. But we really want to get into the history of green tea. And that is a long one. So when we come back, I am going to try to delve into 5,000 years of green tea history, all compressed in just a few minutes. Let's see if I'm up to the challenge. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on Steeping Around. Are you tired of those groggy mornings, but coffee is wreaking havoc on your body? Good news. Tea isn't just an alternative to coffee. It's a solution all its own. Many tea varieties boast as much caffeine as coffee, with dramatically fewer side effects. Say goodbye to that dehydrating, stomach-shaking, teeth-grinding habit, and say hello to Maya Tea. The Maya Tea Company blends the best quality tea leaves with subtle, tantalizing flavors like vanilla, apricot, raspberry, and many more. So whether you're in the mood for light and grassy or bold and toasty, Maya Tea has what you're looking for. <sighs> Plus, now you can save more than ever on your tea purchases. Just log on to www.mayatea.com, that's M-A-Y-A-T-E-A.com, and enter the word STEEP into the coupon code. Welcome back to Steeping Around. I am your host, Manish Shah, and today we are delving into the rich history of green tea. I am not particularly a big history guy. I uh, don't spend a lot of time looking at the history of a lot of things, really kind of a present moment person. But what I do find most interesting about history is the fact that it is peppered with what I would classify as seminal moments. There are points in history where the flow changes course. Something is discovered, a decision is made, somebody does something that changes the way everything happens thereafter. And in that regard, T has several of those moments that we know that are really interesting. First is obviously its discovery. The discovery of tea is widely credited to an emperor, Sheng Nun, and he had a habit of boiling water for health purposes to ensure its cleanliness and healthiness. And one day while boiling water, some tea leaves fell into the water. And rather than throw out that water, he went ahead and drank it and experienced the energizing feeling and decided, well, this is a good thing, and therefore tea is discovered and move forward. Now, by the way, he's credited with discovering a lot of things about Chinese medicine too, or he's really the, 
the father of Chinese medicine. Now, the general history of tea is a little hazy thereafter, well until about the Tang Dynasty, which is the 600 to 700 AD. So from the discovery of tea until that point in time, there are just a few things we know for sure. Chinese tea scholars have discerned that tea was actually discovered in Yunnan. Really, it comes from Yunnan province there. But then it travels to Sichuan. And the first cultivated tea garden for commercial cultivation is 2,200 years ago. And it is done by a gentleman by the name of Wu Li Zhen. Now, wrap your mind around that. 2,200 years ago, that's before the birth of Christ, tea was being commercially cultivated. That's an awfully long time. And you can imagine why I tell you that tea has been so studied for so long with so many varieties, because it really is a very old, old ingredient in uh, Chinese cuisine. The next really important date in tea is 770 AD. Now that is a thousand years before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Think about that. In 770 AD. And what's important about that date is that's when the first tea factory opens. And that is in Guzhu Valley in Zhejiang province. And it was opened by the tea saint Lu Yu. And he is widely credited with much of the history of tea or much knowledge about tea. And this tea factory made tea in cakes. Now, a lot of these cakes were then sent to the emperor and sent to really the high-ranking officials. So tea was a very valuable commodity in tea cakes. Now, the way that a tea cake was made at that time is that the tea would be picked and it was steamed to stop all the oxidation. Then it would be ground and pressed really, really tightly to remove all the moisture. And then finally, it would be put into a mold and baked. Now, that turned itself into a tea cake, and then it was presented to the royalty in China. And that practice continued, and nearly all the tea in China was green tea and was turned into these cakes. And therefore, it was very, very valuable. It became used as currency. And then in the Ming Dynasty, we talked about this last week, 1392, a law was passed outlawing tea cakes. The reason I make reference to that date is because it's very important to know what ultimately happened when these cakes were outlawed. Tea was sent into chaos. We're talking about the way tea had been made up to this point was now outlawed, and it took nearly 150 years for tea to recover. When it did, we started getting the techniques of making loose leaf tea. And so, somewhere around the 1500s, you see the development of the techniques to make green tea again in loose leaf form. You also see thereafter, about 500 years ago, the making of black tea and oolong teas. And then, about 250 years later, you see the making of white tea. Now, why is this important? Why from 1392, when we no longer make cakes and it's outlawed, tea goes into chaos? And then what happens? The Chinese discovered ways thereafter to make tea in loose leaf form. Well, tea then went from being made in these factories, in cakes, and being used as currency, to being made on much smaller scale production 
everywhere in all these different varieties, green, black, oolong, and white. And so now, tea could be enjoyed by everyone. It was brought down to the masses and appreciated by the masses. So, it's really important that out of this crisis over the tea cake and the subsequent, essentially, destruction of the tea industry, we see the rise up again of all of the variety of tea and all of the techniques that we enjoy today. Sometimes it's good to look back at history and see how some of the best things have come from some of the most difficult of circumstances. Perhaps we can do the same when we're looking at what the struggles are in today's economy and what people are facing today and know that in the not-so-distant future things will be much much better and how many improvements we will see as a result of the challenges and the contrast that we are facing today. When we come back, I am going to talk a little bit about eyebrows. Stay with us. We'll be right back here on Steeping Around. Here's a challenge. Go to your cupboard, dig out a tea bag, cut the top off of it, and pour its contents onto your kitchen table. What do you see? Anything more than dust? You're generally looking at the bottom of the barrel tea leaves, the crumbs that fall from the thick, whole, beautiful leaves that the Maya Tea Company uses. Did you know that you can greatly improve the quality of your tea by switching to whole leaf tea without spending one extra dime? Each pound of Maya Tea Company's decadent loose leaf teas brews about 150 individual cups of tea, and you have an extensive variety of types and flavors to choose from. Would you like a green or a black tea? And how about flavored with raspberry or vanilla? The possibilities are endless with the Maya Tea Company. Plus, you can save an extra 15% on your purchases by typing the word STEEP into the coupon code at checkout. See for yourself at www.mayatea.com. That's M-A-Y-A-T-E-A.com and enter the word STEEP. Welcome back to Steeping Around. I am your host, Manish Shah, and I want to answer your questions about all things tea. If you have a tea-related question, please send it to me. The easiest way to reach me is through my email address, and that is steep at mayatea.com. That's S-T-E-E-P at mayatea.com. You can also send a question through our website, www.mayatea.com, or you can friend us on Facebook, we have two Facebook sites, one for Steeping Around and another for the Maya Tea Company, and we do get questions on that as well. Last week, I spent a lot of time talking about white tea, and I went over the grades of white tea, and the two lowest grades were called Xiaomei and Gongmei, which translated into Xiaomei, Longevity Eyebrow, and Gongmei, Tribute Eyebrow. So our question of the week comes to us from Jim in Hawaii, who asks, what do you mean by eyebrow? And that is a legitimate question because, you know, oftentimes I go over some of these things and I forget. I say things and I have no idea that maybe the word eyebrow might be interesting. What does that really mean? What it really refers to is sort of the shape of the leaf. The leaf is sort of twisted and it's thin at both ends, and they're long and wispy, as you might think of your eyebrows to be. 
And so that's why oftentimes you'll see the word eyebrow being used for all different types of tea, not only white, but you'll see it in green tea as well. And that really is referring to the delicate, gentle, curving shape of that leaf. And that's why the word eyebrow is in different names of teas in China. If you have a question about tea, please send it to me. Since Jim sent me a question, I am going to send him a little package of white tea to his address in Hawaii. If your question is selected, we'll send you something. This week, we're going to throw out a package of delightful green tea from our catalog. So please take the time and send me any question that you have about tea. Next week, we will continue the discussion about green tea, and we are going to get into some concerns about health and wellness. Is green tea really that good for you, like everyone says? Join us next week, and we'll find out. Until then, thank you for listening, and enjoy your tea.